This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we're lucky enough to talk to the band Striper, or Michael Sweet from the band Striper, and we talk to Rick from the band Ash. Uh, first off, we're going to kick off with the Striper interview. Uh, before we do, we're going to have the song that for a lot of us kicked it off our fandom with the band Striper, with the track To Hell With The Devil. Uh, then we will have the first part of the interview, uh, followed up by the song Transgressor off the new album and The Way From To Hell With The Devil.
so we haven't been there for quite a while. No. Um. So you guys were down. Eighty nine was the last time you guys were here. Yeah. I, yeah I we were in Australia in eighteen. So New Zealand's been a while. I just <laughs> the thing I the thing I remember about New Zealand is everybody talking about the the group that we were with about how there were more sheep uh, per people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh mate, oh I have uh, uh, sort of sad memories because I remember the the show, but I wasn't able to go to it. I was only fourteen, and I remember being absolutely devastated that I couldn't go. My parents wouldn't let me. I lived uh, quite a way away as well, so that was probably part of it as well. But like I say, I was only fourteen. So wow. when I found out you guys were coming to New Zealand, I was uh, absolutely through the roof uh, with excitement. Um, my partner just absolutely freaked out when she sort of heard my reaction because I was actually sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but it was just like, oh, I, I was like, holy, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You're getting us. You're getting us finally before we're too old because we're getting to that. We're getting to that point where we're getting up there in years, but we're not too old to rock, and we're we're so excited to come back to New Zealand. Can't believe it's taken us this long to get back. Um, and, you know, I'm sorry to hear about everything you guys have been going through with this storm. Oh, thank you, Michael. We really appreciate that, man. It's not yeah. half as bad as some of the things that have been going over there for you guys as well, man. It's been pretty crazy. It's The world is a crazy place right now, that's for sure. There's stuff happening everywhere, and uh, it just seems like something every day, you know, yeah. that's uh, on such a grand scale. So it's mind-blowing. But, you know, you guys have been in our prayers, and I hope everybody's okay where you are. I'm very lucky where I am. So, um, but I know there's a lot of people affected. And one of the wonderful things about it, I guess, and I mean, this shouldn't really be a wonderful side, but there is in the sense that everybody's pulling together here in New Zealand. The, the, the people are coming from all over the country to try and do their bit, whether it be with money, whether it be with sending items, or whether it's just people on the ground, you know, and it's something that, um, probably haven't witnessed for a very long time is the coming together of a nation for, for something like this. It's, I mean, even and the Christchurch earthquakes, we didn't quite have this, but you know, that the magnitude of this was um, pretty immense. And so, you know, um, wow. it's, it's pretty special. I mean, it, well, it is at the same time, if you know what I mean, you got to count your blessings. You do. And I'm so happy to hear that. And it's interesting because, you know, nine times out of 10, when you go through something like this, on such a huge scale uh, where, you know, there's, there's life lost and uh, so many people missing and it's just devastating. You know, sometimes people don't pull together, but most of the time they do. And it's so great to see when they do pull together because it, it gives you hope uh, in, in the human race. You know, it, I think it reminds everybody what's important uh and and that is loving one another and taking care of one another and that's really all that matters in life it does and, and i mean and, and like we said earlier i mean it, it's some pretty dark times we're living in right now and it, it's really yeah i mean you, you have to find those points of hope and and love and things like that it because is. you know it's it's a, it's a pretty dark world out there <laughs> it is man but you know there's a lot of good people trying to shine a light in this dark world so we'll keep doing it Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. So you guys, the, the last album was The Final Battle. Uh, that came out last year. Dude, no fillers, man. This is, I mean, to me it was, it's, it's like a return to form. I know that's, you know, but how much of an influence has Perry sort of injected into the band? Because, man, you guys are just so alive right now. 
Well, Perry's really obviously brought a lot to the table in terms of a spirit, you know. Obviously, he's a great player and a great singer, but he's brought a new spirit to the band, you know, and, and kind of a recharge. And, you know, I think Striper's been for the past 10, 12 years working hard to kind of uh, full circle, get back to who we were and what we are and what we should be. Um, we've been doing a fairly well job of that, I think, starting with uh, – uh, no more hell to pay and then going on to the uh you know to the album fallen and just moving forward with all the albums and we've been getting there and getting there and getting there and perry's really brought something uh in the low end obviously to the table we've got this big beefy low end like we never really had before quite like that in that way and he's a great singer you know he brings great harmonies to the table as well so live when we go out uh, and in the studio We've got this nice airiness to the band because he's got that high register, got a real low voice like this. But when he sings, <laughs> it's real and it's really cool. It works out great. And he's a perfect fit for us. He loves being here. Uh, we enjoy having him. And I hope that shows. Oh, it certainly does. And it comes through in the music, you know, like I say, I mean, just the energy. And I mean, like I was listening to the album again this morning. And it's just like it, oh man, it just reminds me so much and takes me back to, you know, to hell with the devil and, and, and that era. Um, and for that, for me, that was when I discovered you guys. And, uh, dude, it's, you know, I love it. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. It's so awesome. It's so uh, awesome. Yeah. It's got, when I listen to it, I hear little bits and pieces of all the albums. You know, I can hear a little yellow and black attack in there, a little soldiers, a little to hell, a little in God. Yeah. And even sometimes a little against the law. I can kind of hear all that stuff rolled together with some modern twist. And it's very 2023 striper. And uh, hopefully that's a good thing and people like it. So far, the reception has been great. Oh, dude, I, I rate it up there, man. It's one of my favorites now. And um, I, I think, you know, this has got to be one of the. Uh, those special albums, and I can't wait to see what you guys have got next. But uh, we'll get on to that later. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be hard. You know, it, it's it, it's one of those things where I never go into an album when I'm writing it or, uh, you know, putting it together. I never think about, well, let's outdo the last album. But at the same time, we're always striving for perfection and uh, to make it the best album ever. That are our best. I, I I'm a firm believer that because I'm pushing 60 years old, who cares? That doesn't be, mean that my best is behind me. It means that my best is in front of me, and I really believe that the best is yet to come. There's no reason why we can't deliver our best album in a year, or in five years, or in ten years. It's going to keep getting better, and if you believe that, it will. Well, that's it. I mean, that's one of the things I was really impressed with is, I mean, you're screaming, man. He just still got it, dude. And like you say, you're almost 60 and far out, man. It's impressive. It, it's crazy, man. I, you know, I'm I'm very blessed to be able to still do that. I can't do that as often live as I do in the studio. I have a little more freedom in the studio because, yeah. you know, I sing a song a day for the most part and go on the next day and sing a song live. I'm singing 20 songs, 21 songs every night. And it's a little bit more of a task. Uh, but that being said, uh, I'm just, I'm very grateful that I can still do it. I still have uh, my voice. I don't have the voice I had in 1987 or eight. Mm -hmm. I have a different voice. It's a little different, but I'm okay with that. And I think I've been able, I found a way to make it work 
with the striper of now. And I'm not trying to be Michael Sweet of the past. I'm just trying to be Michael Sweet of the present. Oh, dude, it's outstanding, mate. And, you know, it just, uh, I love the album. Um, so you you guys have um, done plenty of solo projects yourself and Robert's doing stuff and Perry's doing stuff. How much does that help Striper in the sense of being able to go away and do other stuff and come back fresh? I think it's a good uh, outlet. I think when we have downtime, especially when it's a significant amount of time, you know, uh, when it's just a week or two or three, we like to just go home and chill and rest and then we go back out with Striper. But if it's, you know, three, four, five months or even longer, it's nice to do other projects. Uh, music, speaking for myself, I can't speak for Rob and Perry, but speaking for myself, I'm one of those guys I like to work. I feel funny if I'm not working. And it's a constant thing for me, an everyday thing. I'm always thinking about new music. I just wrapped up another project with George Lynch, and then I just wrapped up another project uh, with Alessandro Del Vecchio, two completely different albums. George is uh, a little more docking meets Striper, and then um, this record with Alessandro is a little more Journey meets Foreigner and Toto, a little more AOR rock from the 80s. Uh, but you know what? That being said, I'm just happy to be working I love what I do still. I hope that day never comes that I don't like what I do. That would be a real sad day. Oh, it'll be a sad day for us all, mate. Um, so going back to the last album, could you tell us a little bit about the writing and recording process, how you guys work and everything? Well, I mean, it, it pretty much every album is the same for the most part, going back all the way from uh, the first album, Yellow and Black Attack, to the final, album, the final battle. Um, it's one of those things where... I've always been the, the primary songwriter. And, you know, some people understand that. Some people don't understand that. They just assume, I think, that every band writes together. They write every song together, and it's just not the case. Uh, behind the scenes, it's usually one or two guys that write everything. I'm that guy. I, I'm, I'm the guy that's just my wheels are always spinning. Uh, and I'm always writing. And I can write quickly like if you put me in a room and say i need an album in a week i'll write you an album in a week i don't know how good it'll be <laughs> or, or or bad it'll be but i'll give my best and i could get it done i'm just that way as a writer uh, i can do things very quickly and uh, hopefully without compromise that's the way i write the stripe problems once i uh, lock into that mode it's a song a day i'll, I'll write a song send it to the guys I'll next day I'll write another song, send it to the guys till we have 11 or 12 songs. And then they'll live with those songs for a week or two. Then they come out, we rehearse them and then we record them. And that's the way this process was on this album. I had a few obstacles with my detached retina and that uh, put me down for a couple of weeks. I had to write the album. Then I got knocked down again for a couple of weeks because it redetached. And then right after I came out of that uh, second detachment, I uh, was able to go in the studio and record with the guys. So it worked out beautifully in terms of timing. Awesome. So how does the music come to you? Do you sort of like hear whole songs or do you just hear like a, a, a melody or do you, how does it come to you? The way it always works with me is I'll come up, I'll pick up my guitar and come up with a riff. Uh, bum, 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 you know, that riff from the way, the truth of life. I'll just start playing a riff and it's like, Oh, I like this. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll turn on my computer 
And uh, I have a drum program on my computer called Easy Drummer 2. And I'll find a really good loop, groove, that goes with that riff. And then once I have that, I'll drag that down. And there's something called Song Creator in Easy Drummer. And it'll give me all these ideas of intros, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, fills, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'll kind of piece it together. That'll take about an hour, hour and a half. Then I'll go and fine tune the drum grooves, add extra kicks, add extra snares, and really work on the drums to make every push and every stop and, uh, you know, crash and everything that that works with the guitar. You know, all that stuff. I lock the drums in with all that, with all the guitar parts and changes. And then uh, I have a song. And as I'm doing that, I'm humming melody in my head. I'm already singing the chorus and singing a, a rough melody, la, la, la kind of thing. And within a three or four or five at most hour period, I've got a song with the basic melody and I send it to the guys recorded right from my phone. They listen to it and they say, wow, yeah, it's cool. Digging it, you know, and then I'll do another one the next day. And that's the process. It's it's uh, it's pretty quick for me. And it, it it might seem rushed to some people, but it's just I don't like spending a lot of time on songs because I feel when you get lost in a song and you spend a lot of time on it, you can lose the song. And it becomes a, a situation where it's not fresh and as exciting as the spontaneity allows. Excellent. So what about the, um, the, the lyrical content? Because, I mean, that's something that you guys have never diluted. Absolutely not. I always draw lyrics uh, from the Bible. You know, when I want to find a lyric or a good theme, I go right to the Bible and I'll find it in an instant. Or I draw from experience, life experience, something I've gone through, uh, a relationship, uh, a friend, something they've gone through, you know, something from experience. And I draw from that and I'll sit and work on lyrics, come up with the basic idea. And then I'll break out my rhyming dictionary and my thesaurus. And I'll just work from there and make it all make it all come together.
Manawatu Metal Metal Heads Radio, proudly brought to you by MPR Manawatu People's Radio. enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app.
and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio.
cover art. I mean, like you, the, there was the iconic um, "To Hell with the Devil" album cover that you guys released, um, and you guys have seemed to have gone back to that sort of style for the last few. I mean, who have you got doing your art? Yeah, we found a guy by the name of his full name is Stannis Decker, and he's a French guy from France, and uh, we call him Stan Stan Decker. And he just does brilliant artwork, man. He sent us some uh, some mock-ups early on. And we saw him and we were blown away by his style, his color choice, and just the way he presents everything. So we had him do the first album was uh, No More Hell to Pay. We gave him some ideas of what we wanted, what we were going for, and he sent that back. And we were like blown away completely blown away so we figured it's a no-brainer let's use him for fallen again blown away and then let's use him for uh goddamn evil blown away even the devil believes blown away and the final battle blown away and it they're all kind of a series if you will like a book series or a movie series kind of the same thing with those albums they all you could lay them all out together in a collage and it, it would almost be one album cover Oh mate, they're, they're really cool though, and it just takes me back again. So that's what I mean. That's what I love about you guys is that you know you're fresh for now, but you're still taking us back on that journey to where it all started for a lot of us. So yeah, I mean it's absolutely magic. So, we try not to we we try not to reinvent the wheel, man. We tried that for a little while with albums like Reborn and Murder by Pride. We were experimenting a lot more, and it had a different sound. And then we realized, you know what? Let's get back to who we are and what we are and what we do best, which is metal, hard rock. And that's what we started doing with the covering, really. And then once we did another uh, original studio release with No More Hell to Pay, we went right back to who we are. And the fans, I think, really appreciate that. Oh, we do, mate. We absolutely do. So you guys do the the Patreon thing with um, streaming live shows and um, the album breakdowns and all that and fan experience. I mean... How much fun is it getting into um, chatting to people and all that sort of stuff through that? Man, it's amazing. We're, we're very one-on-one with our fans. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very active on my Facebook, my Instagram, Twitter, and I try to stay connected to the fans every day. Some days I, I can't because I'm traveling or i got too much going on. But I always try to keep the fans involved and make them feel like they're a part of this, of, of what we're doing. That's so important to me. And a Patreon is a, is a way to do that at a different level. You know, it's a way to connect and offer them, the people that are part of Patreon, exclusive uh, content, whether it's songs. We just uh, released a song that's only exclusive to Patreon. We're going to do another one in a, in a few months. Um, and then, you know, videos, photos. Uh, I do uh, listening parties which are really cool. You know, we got some really cool things going on uh, that they appreciate, and it makes it exclusive to them, anyone that joins up at the Striper Patreon. Yeah, I think I sat in for the, was the um, To Hell With The Devil one that you did a long time ago, um, and I know you just did Against The Law. Um, I mean, that would have been an interesting one because, I mean, a lot of people were sort of uh, had different views on that. I loved that album. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic, but it was quite a different departure from previous and God we trust and to hell with the devil. For sure. Yeah, no question. It's one of my, it, you know, for me, it's uh, it's a bittersweet album 
you know, there's there's no denying the fact that I think it's a, a great sounding album. It's very well produced. And I think very well performed. I think the performances are really good. The thing that uh, I have an issue with with that album is the fact that we kind of threw everything away that we were at the time and, and that we should be. You know, the yellow and black and uh, the guitar tone and uh, the style of writing. And, uh, you know, we grew beard stubble and started frowning instead of smiling. You know, we just became a band became a different band and it wasn't really us it wasn't really deep down inside who we were uh and uh you know that's my biggest issue with that album is i just wish we had just remained true to ourselves if we had done that and made that album i'd love it but i feel like we were a bit of a sellout in some ways uh in the during the making of that album oh well, don't be too hard on yourself michael because it's still an absolutely fabulous album right? i mean I remember finding it, and, and, and it was just, yeah, it was something fresh, I thought, and, yeah, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, th- there were still a lot of people out there that think it was absolutely brilliant, and it was a great move. So, yeah, don't be too hard on yourself, buddy. <laughs> well, man, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm that way. I'm that, I'm an extreme perfectionist, always trying to do things the, the best way possible. Yep. And I'm just, I'm just that way, you know, and I, I think it's more so – all the things that went on at that time where, you know, our friendship suffered, our marriages suffered, our, the band suffered uh, because of things that were going on. So I look back on those times and I think, gosh, I wish we had done things differently. That's all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a fair call, mate. So um, merchandise, you guys have been absolutely brilliant with merchandise, creating stuff like honey and the little van and everything. I mean, that must be fun to do. I mean, it sort of takes me back to um, the stuff like Kiss used to do. You know, all the crazy merchandise. It must be awesome fun. Are you going to bring much of that stuff down for us? Oh, gosh, man. You know, I don't know what we're bringing with us, to be honest. Obviously, I know we're bringing T-shirts and and, uh, typical normal swag and stuff like that. But I don't know if we're bringing any special stuff. We might be bringing some of the, uh, you know, specialty items like the earrings. And uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff that's small that we could travel with easily. Uh, but we're always trying to come out with with new stuff just to make it exciting for people, you know, so to, to make them say, oh, I want that or oh, I'd wear that or oh, wow, that's cool. Uh, instead of just the boring, same old, same old, we try to make it unique and special. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, and the vinyl reissues, I mean, you, you're coming out with some really cool stuff with that and um, different um, vinyl variations and everything. Oh, yeah, man. We're always doing vinyl. And, you know, there's such a surge on vinyl right now. It's very popular. People love their vinyl, uh, which is interesting because there was a time when people said vinyl's dead. Yeah. Uh, now it's not. And it, it made a comeback. And, you know, CDs, I think, will make a comeback. Cassettes are kind of making a comeback a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it's really cool because the reason why that's a good thing is because it, it keeps the bands alive. It helps them to survive because when everything's streamed, uh, especially streamed and or downloaded, there's just not a lot of money to be made. So it makes it very difficult for the bands to continue on and do the next album and do the next tour. The money that comes in from record sales and whatnot, and merchandise even more so, helps to fund and pay for the future. So it's really important. And that's why it's sad when we saw the decline of 
CDs and vinyl and all the hard copies. It, it was kind of heartbreaking for, I think, anyone in a band, to be honest. Well, we're down here in New Zealand, the only thing that we can really come across is the uh, the, the vinyl copies of this. So, you know, we don't really get CDs or anything down here. Of wow. So. That looks amazing, man. The vinyl the is the way to go because it looks great, smells great, and it sounds great. Yeah. Well, that was it. I mean, like, we actually had to hunt it down in the sense that, you know, people would have it here, but it was selling out so quick, which was absolutely spectacular, mate. Wow. Well, that's good to hear. That's fantastic. Well, New Zealand sort of has a, a sort of funny market. I don't know if you guys have ever, ever really sort of understood this or anything, but because of the way that um, back in the eighties, uh, New Zealand was still quite a uh, still quite a Christian nation, and um, getting access to music and, and metal was quite difficult. And Striper seemed to be one of those gateway bands that people were able to get into hard rock and metal, for me especially. And, um, I, I mean, like, I've got people, friends that, um, you know, that um, are not Christian or anything like that, but do right. love Striper. And, yeah, I mean, I've got a friend that's in a band called Bullet Belt. He's coming up uh, to the show, and he's absolutely nut for you guys. And, I mean, his band is probably what you would, sort of tend to call a satanic band but yeah. dude they love striper you know there, wow. there was uh, mayhem were just down here recently and about three days afterwards somebody posted oh i wonder if i should wear my mayhem t-shirt to the striper show how would people <laughs> react and and everyone was like dude we'd all love it you know we'd all give you a hug you know and stuff like For that sure. absolutely and that's a wonderful thing about uh, what we do in, in the metal world is i think people respect one another you know, I recently in Mexico, I met uh, King Diamond. Oh, man, that was special, eh? I love that photo. Yeah, I got to talk to him briefly. And I realized in our during our conversation and afterwards, he's just a regular guy, you know? And I'm a regular guy. And we, we talked about the weather. And it's like we, we probably have more in common than we realize or think. Uh, yes, he's a proclaiming Satanist. I'm a Christian. Uh, polar opposites, but we're human beings at the end of the day. That's you know, right. we're trying to get by like everybody else, trying to survive in this crazy world. So it made me respect him a little bit more having met him, and, and hopefully he respects me a little bit more having met me. Yeah, man. Oh, it was also awesome seeing you and Sebastian back as well. <laughs> it was magic. Oh, yeah, man. I'll I tell you. And that was unplanned. A lot of people think it was uh, planned or not real or what have you. That was real. And uh, it was really cool to be able to bear the hatchet with Sebastian. And we text and, and email each other and uh, everything is moving forward. So it's really cool. I always love talking to um, people like Howard Jones and Chris Jericho. And they talk about their love for Striper. I mean, it's something that I don't know. It's um, I have share the same love. And it's just you know, it's so cool to be able to touch base with people that you just wouldn't expect to be Striper fans or, you know, and how passionate they are for you guys, man. And it's just, you know, a testament to what you guys have done for so long now. It is. There's no question, man. It, it's it's humbling. Uh, and it's so great to see because you wouldn't expect that or think that. You would think that we would primarily be reaching and having an effect on people that are, you know, part of the church and Christians and they don't do that whole mainstream thing, but there's a lot of people out there in the mainstream world that listen to Striper and appreciate Striper and come to our shows and 
buy our interviews, buy our albums and want to do interviews. And it's just really great. And it's humbling. It truly is. It blows my mind every time that happens. I mean, we go over to Europe and we'll do an interview with the Satanists. And they tell us about how they're a huge fan and they have every album. And it just, I just shake my head in, in, uh, you know, absolute disbelief thinking, wow, this is amazing. This is incredible Uh, because it's not the norm, but it's just so powerful and so cool. That's the, the, that's the power of this band and the message and the music really has a positive effect on people. Oh, it does, man. And that's it. It's, uh, you know, something that lives with people and, you know, it, it can't help but touch people. Anyway, um, we've got um, only a few moments left. I've got to wrap it up, but I've got um, sort of three questions in one. First off, tips for guitar players. Ooh, tips for guitar players. It, don't it, try to be something you're not. In other words, you know, you see all these shredders out there and you're not a shredder. Don't try to be a shredder. If you really want to be a shredder, then work on it and become a shredder. But don't... Uh, you know, t- uh, cave into the peer pressure. Just be yourself. Do what you do and do it the, to the best of your ability. Work on what your strengths are as a guitar player. Uh, if it's just holding one note, your vibrato, your tone, whatever it is, and go with that. Uh, some of my favorite guitar players aren't shredders. I'll tell you that. And um, I, I think I can't recommend enough for guitar players just to work on their tone, work on their feel and work on their vibe yep. that they present over, you know, a hundred notes. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the vibe is everything. And and yep. for singers, um, what sort of uh, tips could you give for a singer, to keep, especially keeping their voice? Oh, man, just try to take care of yourself, you know, stay conditioned, stay in good shape. Don't do anything in, uh, in terms of overabundance. You know, if you drink a little, that's fine. If you smoke a little, that's fine. But you smoke a lot or drink a lot, that's not so fine. Yeah. Uh, anything in abundance is going to take its toll. And uh, get lots of sleep. Take care of your vocal cords. Get them checked. It, 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 I would recommend every year or at least every few years. Have them scoped, you know. They go in and check your cords and your folds. Make sure you don't have any uh, uh, nodules. Uh, or nodes going on that will affect you and just that's about it you know just take care of yourself
Metalatu Metal Metal Heads Radio, proudly brought to you by MPR Metalatu People's Radio.
support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Metal to Metal, Metalheads Radio, proudly brought to you by MPR, Metal to People's Radio. And for this section we talk to Rick McMurray from the band Ash, uh, but before we do, we're going to be playing the track that made them uh, their first big hit, Girls from Mars. Do you remember the time when you were girl from Mars? I don't know if you knew that. I would stay up the playing cards and you were in Tim and cigars. And she never told me her name. I still love you, the girl from Mars. Sitting in a dreamy days by the water's edge on a cool summer night. Fireflies and stars in the sky Gentle glowing light From your cigarette The breeze blowing softly on my face Reminds me of something else Something that in my memories Been misplaced Suddenly all comes back And as I look to the stars I remember the time when you were gone from Mars I don't know if you knew that Always there with playing cards Yeah, 
we're talking with Rick McMurray from the band Ash. They're heading down to New Zealand um, for their uh, Teenage Wildfire um, tour, which is uh, uh, the um, 30 Years of Ash uh, celebrating. Uh, you're playing March the 17th and 18th in Auckland and Wellington, St. Paddy's Day. Yes, I know. What a great great day to do it. Oh, it's mate, fantastic. that's absolutely brilliant, mate. Yeah. I mean, you can't think of anything better to do than celebrate, you know, St. Paddy's Day with an Irish rock band. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a great time. Not only is it St. Patrick's Day, but it's also going to be our first gig in New Zealand. I think in twenty two years, give or take a few months. <laughs> I um, think, which is quite wild. I think when we first went to New Zealand, we were actually, I think we were about nineteen or twenty or something like that. So we spent more time away from New Zealand since the last gig than we did on our first show there. <laughs> oh, mate, that's brilliant. Yeah, from what I, I was reading, uh, twenty four years, uh, nineteen ninety. Nine was the last time you were here for the big day out. Oh wow! Okay, right. Yeah, I thought for some reason I thought it was like uh, two thousand and one, but yeah, you might be you might be right in that one. Well, I maybe yeah. you you'd probably know better than me. It <laughs> was just uh, from a little bit of research. You know, we were we were you know we were teenagers back then. You know, probably uh, enjoying ourselves quite a bit. So yeah, the memory's a bit hazy, but yeah, <laughs> nevertheless, very excited to get there. Oh mate, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. I mean, looking back now, I mean, it was 30 years of rock and roll and all that sort of carry on. I mean, when you first started the, in the band, I mean, what were your expect, expectations back then? I mean, did you ever think that you would make it to be traveling all, all around the world doing this? No, I mean, it was um, it was it was quite a quite a wild ride. You know, we like obviously young kids still in school and with dreams and ambitions of making it. But we were, you know, pretty, pretty young, pretty naive and sort of like didn't really know what we're doing. So I think there was a lot of luck sort of getting the music to the right people who kind of like saw something in it. Um, but, you know, once we I think once we got sort of like management and stuff like that, they were like quite sort of clued in. And, um, you know, I, I remember um, one of the things that sticks out is a chat with our manager in the very early days going like, look, you guys can you know, you can go and sign like a big deal and like, you know, kind of like blow all this money or whatever. And, you know, you'll be, you'll be here one day and gone the next. Or if you want to sign a smaller deal and kind of like build it up over time um, and, you know, try and try and stay in the game as like a, you know, lifelong kind of thing. You can do it that way as well, which is what we, what we went for when he, when he had that chat with us. So yeah, here we are, you know, 30 years later and still doing it. So yeah. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, that's it. I mean, doing the long haul, mate, you get, uh, you know, it's much better for you. Uh, so, I mean, you said earlier um, you remember playing back here and uh, it was either 2001 or uh, 1999. Do you have many memories of playing here? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, every time we've played in New Zealand, it's been, like, it's been really, like, kind of, like, in a couple of gigs and straight out again. It's, like, I don't know, like maybe 48 hours, maybe a little bit more than that every time we've been there. So it's like, it always feels like exciting to get there. And then we feel like, you know, once we're there, we're, we're like straight, straight out again. So it's like, we feel that there's a lot more to be explored. So I think this time actually, um, we were like, um, well, I I come up with the idea of going like, we're going all the way to New Zealand. We never get to spend any time there. So why don't we actually like fly there early and do a bit of rehearsal there instead of like rehearsing here and, going there so hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of it this time time around but yeah no we've got um yeah great memories of playing there i remember the first time it was we went um we were supporting garbage oh wow and i think we we um at, at that point we had like a we had like a film crew following us we were like making our own movie 
yeah. as well. So I remember like there's scenes from that from that movie uh, etched in our etched in our memories. I think we had a bit of a disastrous gig in I think it was in Christchurch, where like <laughs> we just like equipment malfunctions go going everywhere and you know uh, like smashed up amps and stuff stuff like that. But uh, our yeah. our management come in after the after the gig and we're just like going like that was so amazing and we were just like in bits going oh this is this is terrible <laughs> but, you know and there was there was some sort of energy going on there so we kind of like you know once we get over it we kind of look back on it fond- fondly it was a bit of a a memorable show for maybe at the time all the wrong reasons but you know it's, it's, <laughs> as you get, you get older you, you kind of enjoy those rock and roll moments where you know everyone's kicking over amps and smashing drum kits and all that stuff so yeah well, that's it. I mean, you've got 30, 30 plus years of you know doing this now, and I mean, you know, I mean, it must have been a trip, man. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, it's like we we started off very young. You know, we hadn't, I guess, we hadn't played many gigs. Like even even back home, you know, we we're probably when we started out, we we're too young to go to to go and play in bars and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, the early days was very much like kind of learning in the public eye. You know, we'd had. You know, success with the girl from Mars, which was the song that kind of took us around the world and brought us to like New Zealand, Australia, Japan, and the states for the first time as well. But you know, we were kind of still learning our craft, so there's there's definitely interesting moments along the way of like you know, very much you know, car crash, yeah. <laughs> car crash gigs. But you know, it's like that's that's the experience you need, and that's what you learn from. And I think you know, we're you know these these days, I think we've got a reputation as a pretty good live band, so. You know, hopefully you'll be seeing some of that in uh, in New Zealand after like over two decades. Yeah, well, I hope so, mate. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, looking back, um, back in those days, I mean, what was there really in in the, the sort of the Irish scene to be looking at, sort of as to, to move forward? You know, I mean, because I mean, other than bands like you two and all that sort of stuff that you had huge success. I mean, I know reading their stuff, they struggled right at the start just to you know because the, you know Ireland was so small in that. Yeah, and I think being close to the, so close to the UK, you know, and the UK scene being like this this huge thing, you know, it's like well, going back to you two and the whole they the UK done the punk thing. Ireland always felt like this kind of like more parochial backwater, but you know, it's probably you know quite similar to when we started as well because you did have you two and it was just like this sort of like mega band, like completely unreachable. And you know, when we were young teenagers, it didn't feel like there was anything going on that was bridging that gap. You know, we'd see. You know, there'd be lots of big American metal bands would come to Belfast. Yeah, they still um, do. <laughs> and yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but that was like it felt like you know there was nothing really going on for for teenagers that was coming out out of there until uh, therapy blew up, and then that was like that was like oh wow, like bands from here can do stuff. And then you know, as as you get older, you you sort of like looking back at the Northern Ireland's musical history and finding out about the undertones and stiff little fingers and stuff like that. So it felt like, okay, it's like there, there are people from here who have managed to do it. So, you know, why, why can't we? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was like, but yeah, like I think early teens, it did feel like a bit of a, like kind of a cultural wasteland, you know, there, and there was a lot of bands from the, from, uh, from the rest of the UK that like would kind of avoid Belfast because of the, you know, the politics and the, and the, the the troubles and stuff. So yeah, it felt like there wasn't much going on other than those those big metal gigs. But you know, those, <laughs> metal, those metal gigs were great. You know, I remember like going to see the first gig was like Aerosmith. Um, I remember like 
States, like going going to see loads of loads of great bands as as a teenager. But again, it was like the uh, the kind of like sort of like new up and coming bands you'd never really hear of coming from there. It was always these big kind of established artists. So it wasn't until therapy happened that it felt like there was like a at least for us anyway, you know, there's probably people older than us that were in, in the underground scene, but they kind of like connected us with that and sort of like felt that there was something to follow, you know? Yeah. I mean, and the other thing I guess is, I mean, for Irish music, for a lot of people, like especially down in our end of the world, you know, we see Irish music as the traditional music rather than, you know, the, the rock music and all that. It was always more famous for, um, you know, the Van Morrison yeah. and stuff like that, you know, the chieftains and uh, the furies and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I oh know that's awesome. So you guys released your last album back in 2018, um, the seventh album islands. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, and I guess you'll be playing some of the material from that. I, I know it's like, yeah, we, what, five yeah, we've we, we, we playing one or two from that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's kind of weird, like looking back on it now, because it feels like a long time ago. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like well, I guess it is a long time ago. It's like twenty twenty three now, right? <laughs> yeah, man, it's five years. Oh, yeah, ago. it's like you know the, the the far side of the pandemic and stuff. You know, and yeah, when we put out when we put out Islands, we actually we were like we put it out and we went like did did some touring, but then we went straight back into the studio and kept writing. And our 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 intention was to like you know like let's follow this up quickly because you know. I think um, back in like you know 2010, we we did like a I don't know if you know about this, but we did like a single series where we we were like yeah. we announced we weren't going to do albums, we were just going to do singles because that we were kind of trying to reflect the way that you know fans seem to be compu- consuming music, and it was it was our kind of like way of dealing with the rise of the the internet and stuff, and it was we'd done like subscriptions, which you know everyone's doing subscriptions these days, but we were we we'd come up with this idea, you know like. I think we were just a bit early with it, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but then we went back to albums and we were like, from that point we were like, Hey, well, we've, you know, we got to make really good records now. And we were kind of like looking back at our, our early stuff. Like that was the benchmark, like 1977, free all angels, the biggest records. And we we're trying to sort of like use that as a benchmark. So Comblamo and islands come out and, you know, I think they were received really well by the fans but we one thing we wanted to do as well was just get on a roll and just get albums out um but just tons of stuff has gotten in the way of that over the last six years so you know we the um bmg bought a back catalog and they wanted to put out the um teenage wildlife um i was like okay we'll wait for the for the album so we we did the teenage wildlife thing we started touring that and then covid struck yeah so, so that put put the album further further back, and then uh, Tim, our singer, was moving from New York back to the UK. We did a studio over there, and that was getting closed down. So it's just like tons of stuff has kind of gotten the way. And we've we've actually got two albums worth of material recorded at the minute in various sort of shapes. But we're trying to like we're trying to do it like kind of strategically, so the albums are a bit more coherent, and make sense. Because you know, if you listen to most Ash albums, we're going from like you know quite rocky stuff to quite poppy stuff so what we're trying to do is sort of like bring bring them together as more sort of cohesive records so it's uh it's it's been a a while in the making but hopefully we can you know once we get one going we'll have the next one like the year after and we can actually get on a roll with these records so that's that's the dream yep yep i guess you get to celebrate 30 years first and then you come out with that stuff um yeah talking about going back to you said about the singles album um 
the changing landscape of music, and I mean, a lot of people are now bringing out like EPs and all that. I mean, it's instead of albums, and, and a lot of bands are saying, "Oh, we're not going to release albums anymore. We're just going to release, you know, five or six songs or stuff." I mean, is that something that you guys are maybe going to go back to, or are you, are you just going to stick with the albums? I don't know. I think we're kind of we're kind of the. I think we want to stick with the albums. You know, it's like we've we've always done quite long records. You know, like about twelve songs, but we can do like you know ten song album because you know it's like who's got the time to listen to like an hour of music at one go? You know yeah. what I mean? So we'll do like you know I think there'll be a couple of ten track albums coming out, and uh, you know, but we're 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 kind of open to change. We're always you know trying to you know roll with the times, and you know um, the change the changes in the music industry are just going to inevitably happen, and you know we're happy to kind of like experiment and kind of roll with it, and see see what happens. So we'll, I I don't think at this stage we'd rule rule anything out, but yeah, we definitely definitely want to get a few albums under our belts, and then. See how that goes, but you know, I was like, I think, I think everyone's kind of in that same boat where it's like, it's like they're trying to like figure out what's going on. It's like once you figure out what's going on, what's going on has already changed anyway. So it's kind of, yeah, you just gotta got to do what you believe in and uh, see where it takes you. Really, yeah. I mean, it's really hard because I mean, like the the, the Spotify's and all that, and the, the the streaming scene and all that sort of stuff sort of has sort of changed the landscape. But uh, we've also got the uh, revitalization and uh, I guess of vinyls and things like that. And so there yeah. is still a lot of people that want to listen to a whole album and, and you know go through that experience. Still, I mean, yeah. and that's what music's about for a lot of people. Um, yeah. I guess the purists, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, but there's. I think the the way things are at the minute is that there's so many different ways to consume the music now. It's like you can't, you know, you, you'll never sort of like please everyone if you focus on this one. You're leaving yeah. these people out. So you know, it's like, yeah, you just gotta gotta get it all out there and however you can and uh, and see yeah. what sticks. Really, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, that's brilliant. So, could you tell us a little bit about the the writing and recording process that you guys go through? I mean, is it a uh, is there any one particular writer, or do you all come in together and jam it out? How do you guys work? Um, I think these days it's mostly mostly Tim, the singer, who who does the writing. But um, he sort of like in the last sort of decade, he got into doing this like kind of song challenge thing, where he'll like just take a day and then try and write ten songs in one day. Oh, I think he's, he he kind of like gets a few of his songwriter mates, like they they all kind of get together at the end of the day and play each other their ideas no matter how good or bad they are it's just like it kind of like i think it's probably a way of kind of taking that overthinking and the pressure off and it's it seems to be like working really well for them so there's there's actually there's so much material around you know we could be um releasing an album <laughs> like every six months to be honest but you know it's like oh, obviously you got to cherry pick what's exciting the rest of us as well and then and then it's a case of you know it's like you know it's kind of song sketches really so we bring them into the band and we'll listen through them whatever's kind of exciting us we'll we'll get together and start putting it together and uh yeah it usually works pretty well that way excellent i know down here in new zealand there's some people that sort of have like a a band camp type thing where they'll it'll be like one main song songwriter or from band will say bring all his mates in for a week and they'll all jam over and stay over and play a whole lot of stuff and they'll do a whole lot of creating and then they'll put out an album at the end of that. I mean, it's, it's a pretty interesting idea, eh? Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been sort of trying to jump on it with them uh, recently a few times, but yeah, it's a, you know, I think 
it's a it's an interesting process but you know whether whether you see those results in an ash album or not i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah well that's it i think a lot of people just do it as a separate project um yeah and it's you know you can come up with all sorts of different different things um outside of your particular band as well um that's the, that's the most interesting part so um anyway on to some other stuff uh, what would be your first recollections of music Anyway, probably the very early days, I remember, um, I must have been about, I don't know, maybe about three or four, but I remember like watching Top of the Pops and just one song leapt out, out, out at me and that was um, Ian Jury and the Blockheads, uh, Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick. Yeah, cool. So that, so that was like, that was kind of the first thing. It was just like, you know, it was just like to to like, a you know, to my like three-year-old mind or whatever, it was just like, what is he talking about? But it was just so, it was just in my brain. You know, I was just like, what's a rhythm stick? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, but yeah, it's just like, it's it sounded like so different to anything else I'd heard at, at that point. It was really, really definitely stands out as like the first, like the earliest musical memory for sure. Excellent. So who, who would you say are some of your biggest musical influences? Um, well, in, in terms of Ash, I think the, the the big thing that brought us together was Nirvana. Um, I think we were we grew up as as metal kids, but when when Ash started, it was like the Nirvana thing exploded. I mean, we were you know we were what like fifteen, still like I think we we just didn't really have the ability to play the metal stuff. So this like the kind of the the Nirvana simplicity really kind of spoke to us. But I think also their you know their kind of raw honesty in in the music as well really really leapt out at us, and it just felt like it made everything accessible, made made everything possible. So that kind of like led us into the the whole alternative world, but you know it's like some of that metal stuff that we grew up on was was great as well. You know, um, weirdly my my uh, um, what I'm doing at the minute, we've got the, got the gigs coming up. We've only got like one day's rehearsal in New Zealand. It's been a while since the last show. So what I've been doing every day is putting on Rain and Blood by Slayer. <laughs> oh, trying, to no, drum, that's trying to drum along to that. So it's like it's a challenge but i think it should get me she would get me up to speed for the gig so it's like you know um <laughs> you know, maybe my my midlife crisis has lead, definitely led me back to the led me back to the dark side at the minute <laughs> oh man, that's absolutely yeah. fantastic i was yeah. gonna ask you what sort of stuff you were listening to at the moment yeah yeah well, like, i think part of that as well there's a band um new band in uh uh the uk who um, so i've sort of like become like Twitter friends with them, sort of like tweet at them. They're, they're drummers um, playing with someone else for a sh- few shows and they've asked me to stand in. It's a band called Benefits. They're, like, they're quite uh, political um, and they it's 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 a total noise fest, but there's a lot of blast beats going on in that. So my like, Slayer right. thing is trying to get me up to speed for that, but it's like, it's going to, I think it's work, going to work out for those ass shows as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, you, you've covered the new material question, so um, I guess we're coming to the end of it. Um, vinyl re- reissues that you guys are putting out, um, is there going to be more? I mean, I know you've done a few of them so far. Yeah, well, I think um, this Friday we've got the um, what I what I at the minute is the last scheduled one. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, there's probably going to be a, there'll be a conversation after with BMG after that, but we've got Nuclear Sounds coming out, which is kind of Weirdly, they did like 1977, Free All Angels, then skipped under four. They skipped. They skipped 
Nuclear Sounds, went on to Free All Angels, then did Meltdown, and now they're going back and doing the second record. So I guess they must be happy with the way they're selling if they're going back to that. So I think in terms of what they've got catalog-wise, there's only Twilight of the Innocence, um, which would be our fifth record. So I guess they're going to see how Nuclear Sounds goes, and uh, we'll have a conversation after that and see if see if we get to get to Twilight of the Innocence. Oh, hopefully, mate. I mean, it must be fun seeing um, sort of these things get put out and all that. I mean, do you yeah, keep the vinyl yeah. yourself? It, yeah, it, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, I mean, I've, I've still got my my original pressings of, of of all those records in the house as well. But you know, it's um, if nothing else, the reissues have kind of like just stopped all the all the questions that we get in social media going like, when are you going to reissue these? Is you know, it's, it's been in the pipeline for a while. It's just like you see the questions coming up, and it's just like. Can't say anything about it, but yeah, so it's kind of a relief to to have it done because, yeah, I mean, I think the original pressings were getting the kind of ridiculous prices on on uh, eBay and all the all the usual sites where where they they pop up. So yeah, so to get them out at a reasonable price, you know, reissued is a uh, is good. Everyone's got got access to them now. So well, that's I mean, it's amazing that to see the sort of like um, I guess the revival of vinyl. Over the last few years, over the, probably the last five years, I've seen it myself. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I'm an older fan, older musician, you know, dude myself. And so, yeah, I mean, it's great to see. I always love vinyl and, you know, just seeing it all come through again is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was like, there was a point in the, you know, when we were originally releasing these albums, I think it was on, I think it was on the, it was on the Twilight of the Innocence record. The record company were like, okay, you know, it like, we're just going to put this out in CD. And we were like, Okay, that's fine. We'll put it out on vinyl ourselves then, and yeah. then they qu- very quickly changed their mind. So we've always been always been a, a vinyl, a, a vinyl band. You know, it's it's you know, it's the it's the it's the format that just it just looks the best. It sounds the best. You know, it's it's a real you know it's a real physical thing. There's no digital stuff going on about it, and it's great. You know, it's a, I think it's the way it should be listened to. I mean. Being you know being a touring band as well, I I understand the convenience of having you know having like a device like this and you've got all the music you want on it and you don't have to because you, you know we we're we're old enough to remember like going on tour and having you know a wallet full of CDs and it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're like discman and stuff like that. So that was that you know that was you know you had to choose carefully. It's like am I going to listen to this for the next you know six weeks in tour or not you know so you yeah. carefully choose your stuff but now it's so convenient with one of these you know yeah but at the end of the day vinyl's what it's all about oh that's damn straight awesome i've got one last question for you before we let you go and that is uh words yeah. of advice for young musicians oh man that's a that's a good good question i wish you had a, a simple answer to it but you know it's like it's i think you know is that everything's everything's so diverse at the minute it's like uh, you know it's like there's good things and bad things obviously you know it's a, you a band you know young bands are growing up with social media they know it like the back of their hands they can build themselves up a following but um and you know the i guess recordings a bit more sort of democratized in terms of what you can can do with a smaller budget these days as well but um yeah it's just I, I think you know getting out and playing live is the is is the key to building up a real you know it's like you can, you can have like thousands of likes on on whatever social media site or followers or whatever but you know if they don't translate into 
an audience in front of you that that kind of means nothing and you know to get that you gotta you gotta be gotta be a great band so but you know it's 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 i think it's it's a tough time for bands you know it's like you just like you know hearing these big bands and on the radio and stuff like newer bands as well and you know it's like and then you realize that they're having to work other jobs to kind of fund yeah the band and it's just like that's not the way it should be you know yeah that was crazy yeah <laughs> but yeah but you know it's like i think you know if that was us these days you know was our our dedication to music you'd be like right well that's 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 just the way it is that's what you got to do but yeah yeah just hang in there oh and if you can i would say keep a hold of your own catalog as much as possible as well because that's <laughs> that's that's what makes the money and you know why do you want that making money for someone else if you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own just like this one NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two People's Radio. Okay, and for our Kiwi section today, first off we're going to start off with some razor wire, uh, some good old stuff and uh, the track Battle Shark and then we're going to get into some more Wellington music uh, with the band Shikan and the track in the zone.
Meruatu Metal Metal Heads Radio, proudly brought to you by NPR Meruatu People's Radio.
Next up, we've got Beltane with the track Death Tyranny, uh, supporting Zan, our other presenter. And after that, we're going to have Dying of the Light with the Monolithium.
Metal to Metal, Metal Heads Radio, proudly brought to you by NPR Metal to People's Radio.
And we're going to finish off the show with another track from Shikan, just because I love these guys out of Wellington. I don't know if they still exist anymore. Um, but anyway, this is the track Sandstorm. Sandstorm. <laughs> 